welcome back to another episode of An Abundance of Thrones. I'm your host, Garrett, and partnered with Brad and Wade. I'm back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. We finally last week. We finally had someone row the boat. It was a little little two-sided last week. I'm sorry. Yeah. Unfortunately, Uh, other duties ensued. (laughs) You said duty. (laughs) Well, we know Uh, who's not joining. To inform our listeners that this will be an explicit podcast, or at least has the potential for it. And this will be a full episode review and recap of season five, episode four, Sons of the Harpy. So if you don't want us to spoil the episode for you, go watch it. Come back. Yay. We'll be Yay. here. There be spoilers here. There be spoilers here. <laughs> so uh, let's get the business out of the way. Uh, once again, this is Sons of the Harpy. Directed once again by Mark Malod, sorry, M-Y-L-O-D. And this episode was not written by the Double Ds. It was written by Dave Hill and got a viewership of 6.82 million. So a little up from uh, week three, pretty much matched uh, episode two. Still a far cry from the premiere that pulled in 8 million. So So I wonder what's going on there. Did people... You know, try it out and go, eh, no. People tried it out, didn't didn't see any action, then went, uh. Well, I wonder (laughs) if people tried it out or maybe people caught the actual airing for the premiere episode and then people are relying on the HBO Go or HBO Now to watch the episode more at their leisure. True, because that won't count in these stats, right? Yes, so the premiere being the big thing and then people relying on... uh, other means to Modern watch it on a regular technology. basis or repeats. Or it's people who watch the pirated episodes, rewatch this one to get a recap. That's a very likely point. We had the first four or five episodes that are leaked, so people aren't going to sit around Sunday night to watch something they may have already seen. And they're just doing this one to be like, okay, I remember where I'm at. Where I'm at. Maybe yep. just got that little spike, and then people may have other people who are like, uh, is it the episode we haven't seen yet? <laughs> It'd be interesting to see how that picks up next week. Yeah. Yep. Next week, maybe the week after. I've heard conflicting reports on if it was four or five episodes leaked. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I've heard four, but I haven't heard much of it. So. Yep. So starting off this episode, we will initiate at the opening sequence. Uh, nothing really to note here except for... We got to see Dorne for the first time. Woohoo! The Water Gardens of Dorne. Once again, the harpy is on the Pyramid of Marine. I ask the creators, what the fuck? And that's all I'd say. But, but the, the Water what? Gardens of Dorne, they but, look pretty cool. And they did they did have it in the opening as well. That's what I mean. The opening sequence, oh, we okay. saw the Water yeah. Gardens of Dorne. The giant spiraling snake. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> See, Brad's laughing because he didn't actually watch that part. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so full confession here, um, it has been a hell of a week and weekend for me. I have seen the episode, but I'm commenting kind of blind because I was so exhausted I had it on. And I dozed in and out. So you may touch on some things that I'm just completely clueless about. 
And the opening sequence, including Dorn, is um, one, one of those. One of those things. Apparently I fell asleep at the beginning, so I may not have seen any of this. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out he was only seeing commercials of it. Right. <laughs> Brad's perception of this episode is purely on marketing and not on yes. content. <laughs> it's, it's done by a lucid dream. <laughs> Driven by sound of the show going Right. On. It's like when you dream and you hear music in your dream exactly. because of the radio playing. Yeah, so yep, yep. Brad envisioned the episode while listening to the audio. So, so this may not be anything like the episode you watched. <laughs> That's not how I remember it. I was on the other side of the boat with Farrah Fawcett. Ten and... snakes were all topless. Okay. <laughs> wow. So um, we open the episode. Uh, we go into Volantis. Uh, at least we can assume is Volantis. It's uh, otherwise known as somewhere in Essos. Jorah decides he needs a boat, and he cold cocks a fisherman. Well, I'm assuming it is as well, because, I mean, how far was he going to drag exactly. uh, Tyrion after he knocked him out? Yeah, exactly. He doesn't point. weigh that or much. Not knocked out. <laughs> he doesn't but, weigh um, that but... much. He's a half man. <laughs> okay, but still. At least Jorah... Go ahead. I, I can't imagine him dragging him far. Yeah. I figured as much. Um, at least Jorah did the right thing when he knocked the guy out and he, he dragged him up onto the sand instead of letting him drown in the water. Right? I mean, he's not from the Iron Islands, after all. He also tossed, like, <laughs> two coins on the guy's chest. It's like, so that could be enough to cover a new boat, really? <laughs> Better than Probably nothing, I guess. not. Yeah. It's like, uh, that would pay the nets, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's on his word and his honor as a knight. Wait, no, he doesn't have that. Wait, no. Got exiled twice no, from two no, different yeah. rulers. Not a knight. He's a, his word he's... means jack shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. So we transition from one boat to another with Jamie. He's asking about a set of islands. They are uh, told to him that they are indeed Tarth, the Sapphire Islands, which we know of from Brienne. And we find out that Bronn is not exactly an idiot. Uh, Jamie says he's going to release his niece. Bronn goes, niece? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? uh-huh. Sure, dude. Question mark? Yeah. You want to try that again? And then uh, Bronn's got a pretty interesting outlook on Dorne. It's a bunch of people who like to fight and fuck and fuck and fight. Um, Each one relieves the... Other, kind apparently. of a cyclical cycle, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a cyclical cycle. There you go. Way to go! Wow, yeah. they fight so they can fuck, and they fuck so they can fight. Self fulfilling. Yeah, I thought you put eating in there at least somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Well, <laughs> depending on your uh, appetite. Depending, yeah, yeah, you um, might get that somewhere in there. And Bron calls Jamie out on freeing Tyrion. Jamie says after Tyrion killing Tywin, he'll split the little bastard in two. I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what he said. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure what Jamie was expecting. And I know this is kind of throwing back several episodes now, but what was he expecting? Seriously? Well, he wasn't supposed to go up into the hand of the king. He was supposed to go up a different that. tunnel. He wasn't supposed to see Shay lying on yeah. Tywin's bed. And exactly. <laughs> Well, lots of things he wasn't supposed to do. 
Tell me, when through the entire series has Tyrion ever done what he was supposed to do? Sure, but would he have killed Tywin if Shay wasn't in the bed? He was king of the hand. He actually got to some of the small council meetings. Drunk, but he got to them. So, True. technically, he did what he True. was supposed to do. True. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting... I know, again, I know we're going back a couple episodes, but um, if Shay hadn't have been there, would would we be in this mess now? That's like saying bum, in one of the bum, first bum. episodes, if Baelish didn't betray Ned, <laughs> would we be where we now? Answer is yes. <laughs> So, um, from the boat to King's Landing, we get a small council meeting with, uh, Cersei informing Mace Tyrell. Is it Mace Tyrell? I think it's Mace Uh, Tyrell. Yes. Uh, Lord Tyrell, at least. Lord of the Coin. Yep. Master of Coin. More like Lord of Fools. Yeah. Well, that too. He's pretty socially awkward. Um, Socially stupid. Stupid is what he is. <laughs> he just likes getting his ego stroked. He does. That's pretty much is what he is. Probably other things too, but well, I mean, we, we, we get to see his ego being stroked. Yeah, we can't speak to those other things. Um, so she's being she's sending him to the Iron Bank of Bravos to negotiate better terms as the Crown cannot afford what the Iron Bank is uh, asking in terms of payment. Now we get to see the um, consequences of all the borrowing that Robert did. Well, it wasn't Robert. It was Baelish. Well, yes, but Baelish was operating on orders from the king. I mean, Pay for it. Do true. it. Make it happen. That's true. And then uh, maybe something interesting. Don't really know here, but Sir Marin being Mace Tyrell's escort. This could be a little interesting. Dun dun dun! Little smirk on Cersei's, you know, face. She's always a smirk when she's up to no good. And again, to to Wade's point of just how stupid Tyrell is, he has no idea that you know he's all proud as punch that oh he gets his own king's guard. Yeah. No, you idiot. Yeah, he sees it as a big honor. Just got your own personal executioner if she wanted it. Yeah. And uh, since there's obviously no love lost between Cersei and uh, Marjorie, uh, right. there's high potential that that uh, be utilized. He, yeah, was... there's there's no love lost between um, Cersei and the entire Tyrell family. I mean, she, also true. She was giving getting him out of the way for what happens next, but. Yeah, that is true. And speaking of what happens next, we see a meeting with Cersei and the High Sparrow. We learned the High Sparrow does not like the taste of wine. How many many people said two, three? What? Tywin doesn't like wine. Uh, High Sparrow doesn't like... Tywin drank wine. There was someone, I remember someone else who like refused wine. He may have refused it at set times, but didn't refuse it because of the wine itself. Okay. He refused it maybe strategically. Yeah. Sansa um, doesn't like ale. That's correct. We Sansa that does not like episode. ale. So Cersei and the High Sparrow talk about the Faith Militant, apparently a pseudo-religious um, army that upheld the rules of the religion. 
that was abolished you know, under the Targaryen reign. I think any time you arm a church, it's a bad idea. <laughs> you think? Yep. <laughs> Between having the Star of the Seven carved into your forehead uh, and pretty much wreaking havoc on the entire city because God says, or in this case, the seven-faced God, between whores and gays and drunks, uh, the gays including Loris Tyrell, which we get a little bit of drama following. The funny thing is, uh, sorry, not really kind of funny, but the odd thing is that they uh, basically attacked a brothel. Yeah. There's, there's two points. It's uh, one of the, well, I guess, faith militant decided to uh, grab a prostitute by her hair. And I believe she yelled that, get off me. Yeah, while she's on top of a patron. And the second thing going, one of the, I don't know who his name is, probably doesn't have a name, and going, this is a Peter Bailey's establishment and getting elbowed. It's like, for all the power people say Baelish has, he seems to be disrespected rather quickly. Yeah. And... Uh, Multiple times over. Well, that male that we saw in the whorehouse was no other than Loris Tyrell's um, boy toy. Ah. Um, Owen, I think they said his name was last episode or two episodes ago. Something you know, like that. To, to Wade's point, though, sometimes power is wielded in quiet. You know, and that tends to be the way Baelish plays his. Mm. He's not the grand, you know, uh, he's not Cersei. He's no. not out in the open. He plays his stuff in the shadows. But with the guy with brothels every, everywhere, you think he'd have a little more, uh, what's, it, what's it, more respect than just, mm. you know... When someone says this is a Peter Bayless establishment, just getting elbowed in the nose. Okay, but at this point, does Peter really care about his brothels? He's now Lord of Harrenhal by by law, Eerie. Lord of the Eyrie by marriage, and is pining for uh, things to come, which we'll discuss here in a little bit. I mean, he's he's not playing with with you know backyard poker rooms anymore. He's playing on the grand grand stadium, but operating in the shadows sure and i'm i'm wondering if for lack of a better term i think the brothels still have you know the whole not that it's illegal like it is in the real world but that they're you know it still feels like they're looked down upon as houses of ill repute um well definitely by the uh the sparrows they are well yeah Absolutely, except the you know high septum. Um, <coughs> well, he's not a high septum anymore. Yeah, he's he's, not. In a, he's rotting in a jail cell, and in the, the red high keep. sparrow is now the high septum. Yep, but it just seems to me like you know, um, even the business that Baelish chose to build himself up on was one of shadows, and you know, sure. Well, it, did. it was somewhere you went. It was not illegal. You're not going to get thrown in jail for going to the whorehouse, but it's not, you know, somewhere you advertised either. Well, yeah. it does make sure he has a, a warm bed in every, what, city? True. With, hmm, 
Actually, he never really Wait, partook. No, nope, he never did partake. It was purely business. Um, so following Loris being captured because of his, what do they call it? Orientation? That's what we call it. They call it something else in the show. Depravity, Privilege? so to speak. No. I don't know. Uh, so we get a, a pretty heated confrontation with Marjorie and Tommen. Tommen goes to try to fix it and can't. And uh, Marjorie's a little upset and says she's going to go send word to grandmother and she needs to be with her family right now. The first marriage fight. Aw. I find it odd how Cersei spoke about the two pillars. It seems one is kind of growing stronger than the other. Well, but she's playing them against each other. I know, but still. She's playing the, the faith militant against the crown knowing full well of Loris and other situations that is going to cause a conflict between Tommen and Marjorie and the Sparrows. Which is interesting that she put her son in harm's, re- harm's way. Interestingly, though, um, you know, he's not the only one that, uh, you know, committed yes. sexual problems or sexual Sins, I suppose yeah. you'd call it. Promiscuity? I don't know. No, sins, sins against the, the church based on right. orientation or yeah. actions. Exactly. Yep. It's fun. Last podcast, you asked, you know, why was she doing this with the High Sparrow? And now you got your answer. I got part of it. <laughs> There's definitely a bigger play she's got going on, though. Yeah. She needs, again, though, you've got to be careful arming the church. Yeah. Fanatics with weapons. That sounds like a good idea. I know, right? Could she turn back around? Of course, knowing Cersei. uh, Back around and say, no, this was actually not ordained. No, because a bill was presented to Tallman and he signed it. Oh, okay. At least that's what he's regretting that now. Yeah. Yep. Oops. So we had. Don't. Sorry, so, wrong franchise. We go far north to the wall. We appear on Stannis talking to his wife. Um, her name escapes me at the moment. And she talks about that she regrets not giving him a true son and is talking about the the deformity of Shireen. Lady Melisandre steps in and says her scars mean nothing to the Lord of Light. And essentially tells Stannis that last time you went to battle, you left me behind at Sir Davos' uh, request. And that didn't go so well for you. Maybe you'll think twice this time. Yeah. Knock it off, dude. Yeah. So um, we'll see how well that goes for, for Stannis on his march on Winterfell. And we see John and Sam writing some letters to the Lords of the North. Requesting men and supplies until he re- reaches Roose Bolton's letter. Yeah, you can you can feel the awkwardness. The even Sam, I think, was a little hesitant here. Oh, he was definitely. He kind of held on to it and he slowly put it down in front of him, kind of like, um, uh, I know you don't want to see this, but don't cut my fingers yeah. off, please. Yeah. <laughs> And after a little persuasion, John is uh, hesitant but goes through with signing it as the need for men and supplies 
outweigh his emotional state with the Boltons. Isn't it interesting how we've seen Sam develop as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, just this you season, know? he's he's made jokes at higher-born people. He's told uh, the crowd to be quiet. He stepped up and put John's name into the bidding. And he's, defended him. And defended him, yeah. Uh, a think, far cry from Sir Piggy from season one. After killing a White Walker, he's just like, screw you guys. Yep. <laughs> and a Thin. Don't forget the Thin. And, oh, and the Thin. So now he's got right. two middle fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and then John gets a guest he wasn't necessarily expecting on. Melisandre enters in, requesting that he join Stannis on the March South. And then trying to maybe sweeten the deal a little bit. I guess that's one way of putting it. <laughs> so you were awake I for the scene, were you? I was awake for the scene, yes. <laughs> um, I think I think he's uh, John's feeling a little guilt still. You know, I think he's feeling a little guilt from his um, his vows, and also a little bit of. Pride and defiance. Look, I still care for this person. I don't care what you say. Yep. The the one thing that didn't put him over is she didn't say, "Yeah, I can make a, I can birth a smoke monster that will go and assassinate him if we do this." Right. Assassinate who? Bolton. Yeah. I, I, she could. Yeah. She. Hey, you know, I could just wipe out Bolton for you <laughs> if you just want to fuck me real quick. Take care of that. Let's. Yeah. Let's let's just get this over with. He does uh, take full advantage of a nice little grope action, though, before finally saying no thanks. <laughs> Apparently, they weren't up to his standards. <laughs> you did notice he was not uh, especially in a hurry to stop that. Like, oh, <laughs> boobs. Hey, oh, those are nice. Oh, <laughs> yeah, those feel good. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. No, I've had better. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry, Night's Watch. What? <laughs> but then she sends, she has an interesting little goodbye for John. Where do you think this came from? Fill me in. When Melisandre walks out of uh, John's quarters. Oh, yes. She has a very interesting little farewell. I'm, yeah, that kind of gave me pause there. Like, what? Yeah, maybe the Lord of Light yeah. uh, is communicating with the dead. <laughs> Giving whispers. Yeah. You know nothing, Johnstone. That was just weird. <laughs> and he's sitting there, it's like, there's supposed to be something that comes after that. Oh, wait, damn. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you both have red hair, but from? Jesus. <clears throat> Yeah, no, that was... I'm curious to see where they're going to go with this one. Or do they? I mean, it looks like next episode, Stannis leaves the wall and marches on Winterfell. So maybe this is where it stops. Maybe it has more to it. Now, going back in episode, there was actually kind of a little fun uh, post. Uh, it was back for the... When John went murdered, not murdered, but carried out the execution on what's his name? Yes. But they uh, they put within him being hit by an arrow in the head and it turned to Stannis with a bow. Oh, where Stannis, like... Stannis took the execution away from John. Exactly. That's pretty interesting, actually. 
so while still at the wall, we come back to Stannis, and he's visited by his daughter, Shireen, um, talking about how she knows that she wasn't supposed to come on this trip because, well, Mother told her so. Stannis didn't like that very much. Yeah, not so much. Um, it, this is one of those very rare, almost humanizing moments for Stannis. You know, we've seen Stannis the king, we've seen Stannis the the hard-nosed, hard-ass, we've seen Stannis the executioner, you know. Stannis the leader. Stannis, yeah, Stannis in all kinds of forms, but this is like the first time we actually get to see... The father? There are some, yeah, there's some softer feelings under there. We did see it last season where he went to visit her and, and his wife. Um, and this is when he had Davos locked up, uh, and, and cause she had asked about him and he's had to tell her that he was a traitor. Uh, so we've seen glimpses of this, but this was a very, a very heartwarming scene for Stannis. Uh, he talks about the wooden doll that he got from, was it a Pentoshi or a Dornish traitor? Uh, Dornish. Dornish traitor that uh, we found out was infected with grayscale and that's his, how Shireen got it. His... Goods were junk except for a wooden bu- wooden doll. He had a dress sewn onto it in the colors of his house. Yes. Ha. Wow. Wade was watching. Impressive. Stannis says that her place was not with the stone men in the ruins of Old Valyria. And they called in every maester, healer, and apothecary they could. And they were able to cure her with just the scars. To show for it. Very touching. It was. I like that scene, actually. It was very nice. Uh, we jump a little south. We're at Winterfell. We see Sansa in the crypts, lighting candles for her long-lost relatives. And we get a little story from Peter Baelish about a tournament in Harrenhal, which gives a little bit more um, Credit? credit. To the R plus L equals J fan theory out there. If you're not familiar, we uh, encourage you to... Fill me in. You're not familiar with the R plus L equals J? No. Okay. So, this is the the fan theory (laughs) on Jon Snow's parentage. And the story that happened that was expressed by Peter Baelish was that there was a tournament in Harrenhal where he was able to, he saw Lyanna for the first time and uh, along with Rhaegar and, and Ned and Robert Baratheon and Rhaegar gives a crown of winter roses to Lyanna instead of his wife. He rides past his wife and gives it to Lyanna. And the fan theory is that Jon Snow is not Ned Stark's bastard son but the offspring of Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark, which is why he's never talked about it and never told the, us, the fans, who the mother is, because it may not have necessarily been a tavern wench, as we're led to believe. Ooh. Ooh. There's a lot of fan theory out there for R plus L equals J. I encourage people to uh, take a look. And then Sansa makes a remark of, yes, um, Rhaegar may have chosen Lyanna at the tournament, but then he kidnapped and raped her. Or did he? We're told it was kidnap and rape, but who's telling the story? Bum, bum, bum. 
Wait, my, sorry, my head is still swimming. Is it? <laughs> uh, and then Peter goes on to tell Sansa about the plan. Uh, the plan of Stannis to liberate Winterfell, in which case he would rescue Sansa. He would still need her name much like the Boltons do and would most likely name her Wardeness of the North. If Stannis doesn't go to Winterfell to liberate it, or if he tries and fails, she'll be forced to marry Ramsay and will still have, you know, some authority in the North because she mm. is still a Stark. He wants her to play Ramsay like a fiddle. Yes. And he, I wonder uh, how she'll do. Some scenes look promising. Um, she's she's starting been to getting, sh- getting plenty of experience at it. Yes. Yes, she has. And then Dorn again. Uh, lovely Dorn. Pseudo. Pseudo again. I say again because uh, we're back with Bronn and Jamie. Jamie wakes up to a knife being thrown by his head for breakfast. Yay. Nothing like a little snake over the fire for breakfast. A little bit of breakfast in bed. I heard it tastes like chicken. Um, sure. Bron and Jamie talk about their favorite uh, ways to die, or more like... Um, more preferred, way, preferred <laughs> ways, to, ways die. to die, as it seems like every way to die is a pile of shit. Bron wants to die boring in, uh, in his own keep, surrounded by his wife and money. And wine. Don't forget the wine. And wine. Don't forget the wine. And Jamie in the arms of the woman he loves. But does she want the same thing? Here again, Bron gives a little twist of the knife. Like, I know what's going on, yeah. dude. Yeah. You may not want to admit it, but, you know, I'm not <laughs> We're kind totally of pl- stupid. Yeah, exactly. We're Listen, kind- I'm not... I'm kind of calling you out on it, but I'm not calling you out He's on it. He's kind of playing a circle jerk with, <laughs> with Jamie. He is kind of testing the waters a little bit. We learn that Jamie, with one hand, fights like shit. But can block like (laughs) crazy. Well, he never did finish his training. That's right. But he's got a hell of a block. (laughs) Apparently the gold hand is good for something, to which Bronn replies he had a good teacher. It stops that sword right in its swing. Yep. I bet that one guy, the Dornish guard, was like, what the (laughs) the hell? He just stopped the sword with his hand. He's a I thought it was interesting, though, how much damage Bronn is doing, and he wounds the horse of that one, which falls onto his leg, and to which he just looks at Jamie and goes, there's your weak one. <laughs> yeah, enough exactly. For you? you said you yeah. wanted a is slow that, one. Here that, you go. Yeah, is that weak enough for you? Exactly. Loser. <laughs> While in Dorne, we transition to the Sand Snakes. <clears throat> To which it appears they're plotting for war and going to be using Marcella as leverage. We find out that the ship captain that transported Jamie and Braun did in fact attempt to sell that information. And that got him killed. And probably not any, you know, any more money. Yeah, that Nothing. big bag of gold didn't go very far apparently. Yeah, well, yeah. He tried to sell the information, probably didn't get any money for the information anyway. That's correct. You know... I'm trying to remember from the books. I guess I remembered wrong. I thought there were more than three. Well, we're only introduced to three right now. True. Yeah, I, I don't recall too much about the Sand Snakes from the readings. Um, so this is a little bit new to me. But 
It sounded like when Oberyn was in the capital in last season, he had mentioned more than just three daughters. I thought there were six. Yeah. It sounded like Oberyn was a bit of a slut. A little bit. Yeah. Likes to spread his seed, so to speak. Well, it sounds more... he did. (laughs) It sounds more of like, for one of them, he didn't spread his seed, he just, like, took one. Well, it was his daughter. Oh, okay, probably was right. You know, it was just... Didn't they were that. all by different mothers, though. Yeah. So we transition once again to somewhere in Essos. Tyrion finds it uh, very hilarious to annoy the hell out of Jorah while being gagged. <laughs> Jorah announces that he only serves one queen, that is Daenerys, in which case Tyrion says this is one shit kidnapping because I was going there anyway. <laughs> Thanks for the expedited trip. Thanks for the free way, passage. Yeah, way to waste your efforts, dude, because that's where we were headed. Yep. And one of my favorite sayings, um, you're going the wrong way. We're going east and Westeros is west. As in Westeros. As in amazing how that works. As isn't in it? do you have any wine? Tyrion says that he wants to meet up with Daenerys because like everybody else, he wants to f- Wants to serve her for gold and glory. Oh, and hate. Don't forget hate. Right. Very important motivator, that one. That's right. It is. Tyrion then identifies that it is indeed Jorah from the bear crest on his breastplate and dragon emblems alongside. Yet also points out that (laughs) what were you doing serving your queen by not serving your queen? It also shows that he... Still knows the who's who in of Westeros, even though he's been in a box. That's correct. Twice. Well, one thing, uh, Brad, just to call it out to last week, um, since you weren't joining us, did you pick up on Tyrion's bilingualness when in uh, Volantis? He was speaking High Valerian, wasn't he? I didn't hear. Uh, well, he spoke. It sounded like High Valerian to maybe the the brothel doorman, but he was also commenting in um, the common tongue to Varys when the Red Priestess was talking, which sounded like in High Valyrian. When was it Valyrian when he was standing at the door for the brothel? The brothel guy rubbed his head and said, I, I hear it's good luck to... to." He said... No, he did. He said, he said that in the common tongue. Yes. Yeah, he never actually speaks it, but he comments back on hearing it yeah okay so i've heard a a few other podcasts and they don't really call attention to the fact that this is the first time that we see him interacting with a different language and understanding at least what's being said he also gets a uh he draws the attention of the red priestess he does by not drawing her attention by not doing anything at all she appears to see him and maybe recognize him but we don't really know the extent of that. Those red priests, very mysterious. Yes, yes indeed. Knowing things that they shouldn't know. Damn, Lord of Light. It's too fucking powerful. <laughs> uh, so we transition to Marine, to which uh, <laughs> Barristan Selmy is telling Daenerys that Rhaegar liked to sing. And they would collect I money. I like the way he's trying to humanize. Uh, like, here I go using that word again. Um, like, 
she's only heard certain stories from Varys? Uh, not Varys, Viserys. I'm sorry, yes, Viserys. Um, and, you know, he carefully picked the ones he wanted her to hear, and mm-hmm. she hasn't really gotten a full history. Um, you know, and it's it's interesting to see the, the history uh, starting to fill in. Some other aspects to fill yes. in the blanks. Yeah, we get told that Rhaegar uh, never liked to kill, but he loved to sing, and he would walk the streets and sing to the people. Sometimes when he collected money, he'd give it to the next singer. Sometimes he'd donate it to an orphanage. Or on one specific occasion, they got drunk. Very human things to do. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And we find in the audience chamber that... um, Oh, I, I don't know his name. It's three name, whatever. One of the former ma- masters of um, Marine is still pining yep. to get the fighting pits reopened to potentially unify uh, the masters and the former masters and former slaves because there's nothing that brings them together at this point. And I wonder, was this a stall ploy for the Sons of the Harpy or was it just something else happening in the background? Is he involved? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. And then we get a pretty interesting fight scene with the Unsullied and the Sons of the Harpy in the tunnels, which we have pretty much all the Unsullied dead. Grey Worm appears to be injured, unknown if he's dead. Selmy kind of comes to his rescue, but potentially at his demise as well. I mean, it looks like they both didn't make it out of there, but... Um, and that was maybe. when the episode closed. Fade to black. The end. <laughs> Standard Sons rule of, of Game of Thrones: show me a body. That's right. Well, in the clips for next episode, we do see a body on a um, what appears to be a funeral style slab. So it's not so looking good for somebody. A body. Yeah. 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 Somebody dies. Which <laughs> Game of Thrones? I mean, big so, shocker. Right. Here's Somebody my always dies. Here's my surprise um, face. Yeah. So here we go again with Danny has a civil war on her hands. Correct. There you know, there this is not going well. She has no idea what she's doing. That yes, very true. And it's really 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 starting to show. Yeah. She wants to run and hide up in the pyramid and not actually get her hands dirty to do anything about it. And just because people want something that disagrees with her, uh, she's against it as opposed to listening to any sort of reason for the greater good. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see where this goes and how it plays out. Agreed. There's a definite emotional impact for for her for the next episode. (laughs) Yes, yes, there is. Um, I want to snaps. A, I want to give a shout out to a listener on uh, on YouTube. Actually, uh, Ladonna Sargent uh, gave us a, a comment. We made a comment last week about Podrick and being pardoned by Tywin because uh-huh. of his surname being Payne, and uh, it is expressed that he is the nephew of Illyn Payne, the executioner. 
Tywin owed Illyn a favor after his tongue was removed, and that was to spare uh, Podrick. The king's justice. Um, let's see here. Yeah, okay, so yeah, that's pretty much it. And then uh, we had some confusion at certain scenes if we were at um, Winterfell or uh, Moat Kalen because we we clearly saw Moat Kalen and then we didn't necessarily see that the entrance into Winterfell or not was kind of confusing and LaDonna Sargent emphasized that we were in fact in Winterfell as we now know from this episode with Sansa being in the crypts. I did state so, it was being rebuilt on yes. last podcast. So thank you for the comment. Uh, we appreciate uh, the insight and the potential correction. Ha-ha. Ha-ha. We like being correct. <laughs> Not necessarily corrected, but, you know. Yeah, well, I mean. Sometimes you got to take it. Yeah, sometimes one begates the other. Criticism yep. is mostly a good thing. Mostly. I did say mostly. Yes, mostly. So, I mean, what would you think of this episode as a whole, Brad? I mean, are we starting to build up in, in activity and, and tension, do you think? I think we're yes. fine. We're finally getting Very into the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah, I think they've kind of set the stage for us up to this point, and now we're starting to see the consequences of some of the actions that have taken place. Yeah, and there are certain things that I keep looking for. Um, you know, again, I have the blessing and the curse of having read the books. So I'm ahead of this point in the story, so I... I, I I know roughly what's going on. Um, obviously, I've seen them take liberties with the story uh, with permission. Yes. Um, so it's not a exact, I know, word for word what's going to happen, but that, there's, there's some things coming. Yes. That always makes me laugh when I see people complaining about alterations. It's different from the book than what's in the show. And it's like, uh, do you not realize that he okayed these changes? Yeah. Yeah. You are literally preaching to no one. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, you can't say that they're they're doing a disservice to the author when the author is signing off on the adjustments for the show. <laughs> um, you kind of don't have a podium to stand on. Yeah, pretty much. So we did see a very interesting clip for next week's episode and a very uh, flabbergasted expression on Tyrion. Apparently the stories of dragons in Essos aren't just stories. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm just waiting well, for a dwarf to write a dragon Put that in the circus. <laughs> Put that in your circus and <laughs> smoke it. This is going to be cool. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say to this. I mean, dragons, it's its its awesome anyway. Yes. And how good they were done. Yeah. I mean, some uh, of the most perfect dragons you could ask for. Right? And with that, I think we'll leave everyone waiting for more. With a massive cliffhanger, just Cliss. like the last show. It's Cliss. a cliffhanger. It's Whatever a that is, I don't know. I don't think we want to know. 
It might well, be dangerous. It might kill you. It might. This is Game of Thrones. That's true. All right, <laughs> Don't guys. go sticking your nose in. <laughs> it will get you killed. Exactly. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next week for episode five. Goodbye, everyone.